Hey, welcome. It is a very special Sunday night edition of our Steelers podcast. Uh, we're recording this early over holiday weekend, and I've got Joe and Paul. Man, we're here late on Sunday night. If you're looking for chaos, it could happen tonight because we've been known to have some goofy uh, late uh, Sunday night podcasts. But how are you guys doing today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Um, I wanted to say a quick note before we continue. Um, yeah. yeah, tomorrow's Memorial Day, and we're all looking forward. I got to say, with COVID, it's nice to have a day off. And, hey, it's nice to be with family. And, and that's good. And I don't think anybody should feel guilty if they're doing that. But remember, there's a meeting of, to, of Monday, and this is where the podcast is going to be released. So listen to our podcast, but please, at least take a couple minutes tomorrow there's a lot of people that have sacrificed their lives for this country. And I know, um, you know, we debate a lot about this country. Thankfully, we don't do this here on the Sealers podcast. But, you know, whatever you think about what's going on, be thankful for the freedom and the rights you have. Be thankful for the fact that three of us can sit here and talk about the Steelers on a Sunday night and you can listen to it. And take a little bit of time on Monday and just think about those that have fallen um, in military service. A lot of these guys were young. And, you know, they sacrifice their lives. They didn't just sacrifice time. So uh, take some time. Think about those guys and women that made the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, as you enjoy, um, you know, having a day off. So um, uh, remember Memorial Day. Um, and it's been on my mind today. So want to definitely think about that. But let's get to the, the fun part as we talk each week about the Steelers. Uh, man, Paul, first of all, I know you and I are the resident hockey fans of our, our panel. Uh, we like the Penguins, and the Penguins laid a big stinker this week. They lost to the um, – just the – they were favored to beat the Islanders. They didn't beat the Islanders. And, you know, we joked about this. And, again, we were joking. But, you know, the Penguins head coach is Mike Sullivan. I've covered hockey before. I've gotten to interview Mike Sullivan before. I know what he looks like. Um, we saw him on TV. So it looked like the Mike Sullivan. But as we noted, the Steelers also hired a quarterback coach named Mike Sullivan. Now, I hear he's good. We have high hopes for him this year. But I have not seen that Mike Sullivan before. I, I don't know what his pitcher looks like. And even if you say, hey, his pitcher looks like this, have we ever seen both Mike Sullivans in the same room? I don't think we have. So we don't I know. have not. Oh, yeah, I haven't either. So hopefully the Mike Sullivan for the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't sneak in the locker room. And, you know, play a mean trick. Because sometimes I was watching those games going, this can't be the Penguins. Maybe there was some weird stuff going on. Uh, Paul, do you think it was that? Or do you think we just got outplayed by the Islanders? At the end of the day, I think we just got outplayed. Um, Yeah, I think Mike Sullivan's a speed guy. He wants fast guys. But we kind of got manhandled by the Islanders. And we need to get some big, beefy offensive linemen on the team to – balance that out well i i'm glad that we're not a penguins podcast because this would be a very very depressing show um but we're the steelers podcast which is great hey we we've gone live so to- we're all sunshine and roses yeah, then yes. because there's nothing wrong with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> no but hey at least we're talking about a team that has a season ahead instead of worrying about a Disaster, disastrous end to a season behind. So, very good. Yeah, like hey, a bad snap from Pouncey to Big Ben and four turnovers. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> well, we we got to get to brighter days. Um, so, before we get started, hey, um, I've got this going to a couple of our social networks. Um, if you're following me on Facebook, you can watch us live here. Um, our High One podcast, we've got it going live to Twitter. And we also have it going live to YouTube. So if you check out any of those pages, you can watch us live. And look, be kind, be nice. But if you have a comment, you can make a comment there. We've already had some questions submitted to us earlier. We'll answer those questions, but we'll also answer your questions as well. So if you have any questions about the Steelers or 
as I suspect, you might be a Browns fan because I live in Ohio and we've got a lot of Johnny Come Lately Browns fans I haven't heard from for 25 years. And now they're coming out of the woodwork wearing their Bernie Kozar jerseys. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I am. I'm so bitter. I am so bitter. That Bernie Kozar jersey, baby. <laughs> yeah. So ask us anything we want. Yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how we respond to some of those. But definitely ask us some questions and, and enjoy a Sunday night with us as we uh, progress. Um, one other note I wanted to make, um, usually we're a general Steelers podcast, so we'll just talk about the news of the week. Um, our friends at Behind the Steel Curtain asked us to do kind of a theme podcast, so um, we'll talk about that in a second. But beforehand, hey, check out Behind the Steel Curtain website. Um, I've used that in the past. When I've researched some Steelers news that we can talk about, they're very good on uh, giving the day-by-day basis of what's happening in Steelers land. As a fan, every day I'm going there saying, have we signed the offensive line or outside mm-hmm. linebacker for the defense? Have we signed that cornerback? Have we signed a tackle to help us? Unfortunately, the answer's been no, but Behind the Steel Curtain does a great job of tracking Steelers news, giving an analysis, and we were just talking before the podcast, lots of podcasts during the week, so whenever you want to hear Steelers content, Behind the Steel Curtain is a great place to check out. So definitely check out Behind the Steel Curtain. So tonight, I want to kind of look at what's next for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the three of us said, hey, let's look at rookies, first, and second-year players. And we're, we're going to see who has made that stardom. Now, as Paul was rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> the last year did not end that well after 11 0 start, and we lost to the Browns in the playoffs. But there's reason Jeez. for hope. And in the past, the Steelers haven't used their young players as much. They kind of relied more on the veterans. But we're going to find out probably in the next half hour. There are guys at the top of our list of guys who have made it who have either done really well last year or are supposed to do well. And that's a good sign for the Steelers moving forward. We have guys that can fill that bill. So we're, what we're going to do is uh, this whole podcast will be an hour. Uh, for the next about 24 minutes, we're going to talk about these top seven guys. Uh, Paul, Joe, and I did a poll, and we'll give you the results of a poll. We'll give you uh, some reasons why we feel the way we did. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. We're going to look at some guys in the AFC North. That's our enemies. That's the guys we're uh, competing against each week. Uh, there are a couple guys in their first, second, or third year that have a huge season ahead of them. And it's really going to go a long way to seeing, will the Bengals be good? Will the Browns be good? Will the Ravens be good? We'll look at that. And, you know, hey, we just got done with the draft. You might say, geez, 2022 draft, we just got done talking about 2021. But there's a lot of guys out there talking about who made the Steelers go for in 2022. We picked out a couple guys. We're going to start talking about them. And as time goes on, we're going to see a little bit more about them. We got to admit, we don't know much about them right now, but we got some basic information going. We'll go over there, and we'll see what comes from there. So let's get started, guys. we got a lot to, uh, we need to talk about. So we came up with a Power 7. Now, if you're listening, if you want to comment with your Power 7, please go ahead leave it in the comments. Uh, we'll talk about your answers. But what we did is for rookies, first- and second-year players, we came up with who is the closest to hitting that stardom that we talked about. Um, we went one to seven. So let's start at number seven. And number seven, we have Pat Fearmuth, uh, the new tight end, uh, second-round draft pick for the Steelers. Um, man, we talked a lot about draft beforehand. We never really talked too much about Pat, but he was on the Steelers' radar, and that's why he went uh, 55 to the Steelers. Um you know, I, I want to hear Joe and Paul talk. I feel like I'm talking a lot so far. So, Joe, what's your take on Pat? He came in seventh in our poll. There's a lot of good guys uh, up in front of him. But why Why did we rank Pat seventh on, on our poll of uh, these young Steelers who are, who are destined to be stars or are closest to stardom right now? Well, first of all, I think it's a little bit tricky to do a, a, an order from one to seven. That sometimes it's just the number one person. It's the first person you thought of. And by the time you get to number seven. Uh, so these aren't necessarily ranked as in how much contribution they're going to be making. So he will be making the seventh most contribution. Yeah, none of that nonsense. But I do think that uh, the Steelers have been lacking uh, consistency and solid output from the tight ends, which the tight ends are somebody that Ben Roethlisberger loves to throw to when they've been consistent. That's been a big part of his game from the early part of his career. 
Um, so I think this is could be a, a, a chance for a return to that. I think by the end of the season, he's going to be Ben's favorite tight end target. Um, I just it seems he seems like a solid guy. He's the the uh, the OTAs went really well for him. Uh, I think that he's just going to be able to put you know knuckle down and just really get some consistency in the tight end position for Ben. Um, Paul, you know, right now we still have Eric Ebron. He took a like a series of one-year contracts, so it's almost one. It helps the Steelers' salary cap situation, but two, it's kind of a prove it. You know, if if he's not meeting the Steelers' expectations, or even if he has a great year, he, he's got the right to leave. Do you think um, uh, Pat can take over Ebron by the end of the year as a potential starter for the Steelers? I hope so. I mean, I for me. Ebron really, I was going to say dropped the ball, but that would be a little too close to home for a, a joke. Um, that's on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, really underperformed what I was hoping for him from last year. Uh, when we signed him, I really had high hopes. Um, partly underutilized, partly couldn't hold on to the ball. I, I fear that we're going to come out week one uh, leaning on Ebron, but I, I would start with Joe and – thinking and hoping that by the end of the season, we'll realize that Frower is going to be a much more reliable option. And I look forward to that because I, I'm old school enough. I love the pounding running game, the tight end game. And so I'm really hoping that he can be uh, not just, you know, a, an option, but a, a consistent go-to option, especially, I mean, if we get somebody who can actually catch a ball on third down, that would be tremendous. So I have, I'm really hoping for for him to pull through. And what about the conspiracy theory saying, look, if you want to light a fire under somebody's behind, draft a guy in the second round that will push him a little bit. So, I mean, Eric Ebron didn't have a terrible year, but he didn't have a great year last year. So maybe a hot shot tight end from Penn State, you know, may he may still overtake Ebron, but maybe Ebron responds and has a great year to make up for it. You think that's possible? I think it's possible. Uh, and that's one way to do it. It's how you light a fire under some of these veterans who maybe underperformed the previous year, just to remind them that, you know, when, when the time comes, it, it comes and there's going to be another guy take your place. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's keep on track because we want to make sure we get through the whole top seven in the first half hour. This is interesting. He's a third year guy. Um, you may question us on why did you have Deontay Johnson six, but we did. Uh, let me give you my reasoning first. Um, Deontay Johnson, and I know it's criminal for us to mention An Antonio Brown. Uh, we're all frustrated Antonio Brown. You know, we're like, sayonara, hit the road, Jack. Don't come back anymore. Uh, but, you know, when Antonio Brown was good and his head was screwed on straight, he brought a lot of good things to Steelers. I'm seeing some of that talent in the way he plays the game. Now, again, the way he plays the game, not necessarily what he does off the field. I, I see some of that ability of Deontay Johnson. It's funny, Ben was very pro Deontay Johnson number of targets at the beginning of the year. Now, if you think about near the end of the year, Deontay got very drop happy. He got benched in the game against the Bills, and you noticed um, in the loss to the Browns in the playoffs, uh, you know Juju Smith-Schuster turned into the, the big target um, guy for Big Ben. So, I'm interested to see where Deontay Johnson is. I mean, if we do this throughout the year in terms of his rankings, Deontay Johnson could be number one with a bullet if he starts a year off fast because he's got that talent. He's got that ability. He could be a number one receiver, but he's way too inconsistent, and that's why he's number six on my list. Um, Paul, we'll start with you this time. Uh, why do you think we had uh, Deontay rated six? I'm going to try to stay calm when it comes to Deontay Johnson. Oh. Um, I, I think, I'm speculating. I okay. think what explains a lot of not only his drops, but a lot of the other receivers drops last year is the mind numbing emphasis we had on throwing the ball two yards to a guy standing still turning around and looking at Ben, because what that does for a guy like Johnson, he wants to go. And so he starts going before he's got the ball and that's going to lead the drops. You've got to hit a guy like that in stride. Let him put the burners on, catch the ball in stride and go. I mean, this run two yards, turn around, look at Ben, catch the ball, and then go. 
that's just going to be drop after drop after drop because he wants to go. And as a young guy, he's not going to wait to have the ball. He's going to start running first. And so that being said, hopefully just across the board, we can end the barrage of two-yard passes and just let these guys do what they can do well and hit Deontay Johnson in stride 10, 15 yards down the field and let him see what he can do. Joe, do you have hopes for Deontay Johnson? I, I, mean, uh, I do. I, I, I hope that a, a coaching change and a change in philosophy in the receiving game will serve him. Everything that Paul's talking about is true. This is a guy who needs to be thrown the ball in stride. Speed is one of his biggest weapons. Uh, and you're just you're really cutting short what he's able to do if you make him stop on the field in order to receive the ball. And that's when you have the, the high numbers of, you know, taking your eyes off the ball to get ready to run because you also can feel the defenders, you know, targeting you as, as the ball's still coming in. So uh, hopefully that change in philosophy will do him well, and he'll be able to live up to some of the expectations that even Ben has for him. So I think they can be a good combo. You just got to let them do what they can do. And you got to think going into training camp. Again, this is before training camp. I mean, we our consideration is doing this each week. So it's, the numbers are going to change based on how they do in preseason and everything else and what we hear about what happens in training camp. I got to think um, Juju comes in as Ben's number one guy, at least in terms of where he's looking first to throw to. But, you know, Deontay Johnson, it's crazy. I mean, he could end up as a fantastic receiver, not just with the Steelers, but in the whole AFC or NFL. Or, man, if things don't go right, I mean, James Washington could be leapfrogging him in the rotation. I mean, he's got this – it's hard to know where he's going to end up. You know, usually you look at a guy and say, hey, we got a good feeling about how he's going to end. Deontay Johnson could be fantastic or he could be terrible by the end of the year. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Number five, and look – I, I've seen reports talk about the Steelers have good young players. I mean, there's issues with the Steelers, but comparing them, we've actually developed some young talent. Here's the example of how they developed young talent. Uh, last year at this time, uh, Kevin Dotson was a fourth-round draft pick. We didn't know too much about Kevin Dotson. You know, you think fourth-round draft pick, hopefully he's okay, maybe he won't be. Let's see what happens. Kevin Dotson, when he played, was probably one of the Steelers' best offensive linemen of last year. Um, especially with the pass block. Um, you know, Paul and I, early in the year, uh, I think every week, Pro Football Focus was saying, look, he graded out at the, as a top guard at protecting the quarterback. And, you know, say what you want about Pro Football Focus. I'm not taking it as the Bible. But when you have stats like that, you're saying, hey, maybe this guy is doing something good. Um, boy, we've got him at five, not because we think he's terrible, but there, there's some guys that definitely deserve even more consideration. I'm anxious to see what happens with Kevin Dotson this year. I think if DeCastro gets his head screwed on straight, I think there's something up with DeCastro at the end of last year. He was hurt early in the year. I, I, I don't know if the motivation was quite there when he came back. He ended up the year not playing that well. So if we get DeCastro with his head screwed on straight, man, I know there's a lot of questions about the offensive line, but we could end up with some of the best guards, if not the best guards in the NFL. Um, Joe, are you hopeful for Kevin Dotson this year? Uh, I'm. I just don't know. I don't know what to what to expect out of him. I, ab absolutely, you're right. End of last year, he came in. He was putting up. You know, he was putting in the work and really doing great job. Uh, and, and in some ways, it was uh, uh, in in response to some really not great guard work that was happening before that. So, you know, we could have just been happy that somebody was doing any part of the job of doing of being the guard. Uh, and uh, so. We'll just have to see what I, I believe that they're looking at doing some scheme changes to the way the offensive line works and the way the coverage works. So uh, we'll see if the coaching um, really matches as it suits what his, he's able to bring to the line. It, it was interesting. I, I read a piece, um, you know, about this new um, offensive line coach, Clem. And they're saying he's kind of a molar guy. He's kind of a guy saying, you know, go get that guy in front of you. And that kind of corresponds good with Dotson's 
how Dotson approaches it too. So, and they've been saying, you know, there's a lot of questions. You know, Marquise Pouncey retired. I know there's questions about how Marquise Pouncey played this last couple of years, but he was still that emotional leader on the line. You're not going to yeah. have that this year. And now I, I've read some articles already saying, man, maybe Kevin Dotson could be a leader. And this is your fourth round pick from last year. So I look at Kevin Dotson. It's entirely possible. It's the weirdest thing, man. Okay, so I've been a teacher for a number of years. And you usually get – we have a close-knit team that has a lot of stuff to get, get done, right? And you have those people who are those – heavy contributors, the people who are used like, how in the world can we possibly live without this person? And then they graduate, right? And then uh, immediately, all of the people who saw that person do what they do, they know what it looks like. They know they know what needs to be, in this case, in the locker room, what needs to be on the field, the people who've watched that guy do it for the entire time. And there are times where it's not possible for that younger person to step up and be that leader as long as that guy's still there. So now is the chance for some of these other guys who have watched what leadership is in this position now have the opportunity to step up and own it for themselves. Then not necessarily be that guy, but uh, exactly the way he did it, but find their way of accomplishing what needs to get done. I think that is going to happen on the line. All right, we, we've got a couple guys to get through pretty quick. Um, Paul, uh, are you pro Kevin Dotson? Uh, are you agreeing with what we're saying? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going into the season with Joe's bucket of sunshine on this. Uh, I have every <laughs> reason to think he's going to have a great year, so I'm, I'm very optimistic for him. All right, let's talk about our new favorite punter of all time. I mean, usually we don't talk much about punters, but man, uh, the Steelers uh, picked up Presley Harvin. Um, who's got a lot of cool things going from from him? I, I think he plays like a, a, a classical instrument. Um, he's a punter of color. You don't usually see that in the NFL. He's a big guy, two hundred sixty pounds. Uh, he had a highlight that went viral of him throwing a touchdown on a fake punt. A lot of good things about him. To keep us on time, let's be quick on um, Harvin. Um, yeah or nay, do you think um, Harvin's sixth round is our starting punter? He's got to be out our current punter. Uh, Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you don't draft a punter to bench no. him for a year. He's and exactly right. It's not like he's got like a Hall of Fame punter ahead of him to win the job from. It's, it's pretty much his. Yeah, and Barry's average at best. I wouldn't call Barry – Horrible, but he's average at best. I know it, it seems like Mike Tom always brings in competition, so I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes. I'm sure they get along and everything, but it doesn't sound like um, Tomlin's a lifelong believer in Barry's a punter. Um, Joe, sounds like you agree with me. It's going to be Harvin, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think probably they'll hang out with the uh, with the competition for as long as is serviceable, but I think it, it is going to be Harvin's job. Uh, exactly. You're not going to burn a, uh, a draft pick on a guy unless you're on, on a punter, unless you're sure you're going to use him. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, entertaining as heck to watch this guy kick the ball. I've watched some of the, the footage of his punts are just a mile high and a mile long. I I'm looking forward to a lot of that just the way that that's going to change the coverage schemes when somebody can put the ball that high and still put it where he wants to put it is going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to, it's going to do a lot for us in the kicking game. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. And it's a lot more than just a, I hate to say sideshow, but it's a lot more of just in the, um, just he's got a unique backstory. I mean, yeah. Harvin won the Ray guy award as the best partner in college last year. So it's not just, Hey, he's got a bunch of cool things about him. He won the best punter of the year. So, I mean, there's potential there. That's Hopefully just flat know. out he was the best punter. And there's all of these other things that are going to make it for a great show. And seems like he's a really nice kid. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Let's be Do you ever think there's a scenario when we've got fourth and goal at the one-inch mark, two seconds left in the game, we hand it off to him, see if he can plow through the middle for the touchdown? I, I think there's a reason he's a punter. Uh, they were talking. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was checking out his um, o, during OTAs. He had a press conference. I'm like, oh, what else can you do? And he's like, you know, I, I punt. I punt. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you could call him to do a fake punt. But, I mean, hey, if, if I really need a fake punt, 
I'd rather have Big Ben or whoever quarterback is at the time try it. I think you got a lot better chance of that happening than just, you know. I mean, hey, Presley's fun. Let's make sure he focuses on his punting. I remember um, Daniel Spoboda, I believe his name was, from Baylor. Uh, he was a big guy. We got him. His claim to fame was he had a viral moment, almost clotheslining a guy, tackling him on a punt. And I remember going, whoa, this guy's amazing. He didn't stick around some sewers a lot. So, hey, I love Preston Harmon's backstory. I love the fact he's a man of color. I love the fact that he's a big guy. I love the fact he has a viral punt. But the punt fake where you threw it. But let's focus on, come on, be a great punter for us. You know, um, have, you know, good net average and everything. I, I'd rather have that a million times over than if he does something crazy like, you know, throws for a touchdown. Couple really guys. We got to uh, make a, a ad mark. Um, Alex Highsmith, uh, we've talked a lot about him in the past. Our, I mean, is he going to be able to hold down that number two um, outside linebacker spot? Obviously, TJ Watch, your number one. Are, are, how confident are we on Highsmith? Going I think he's going to be a good contributor all season. I'm not sure if he's going to hold down the number two uh, linebacker the whole season. I don't know. I feel like that's going to be something that flexes from game to game and, and what the matchups are and what really needs to happen between what the, what the linebackers are doing. But I don't think he's ever going to get sent that set down because he's just not doing his job. I think he's a solid contributor and he's going to be there all year. You agree, Paul? Yeah. I mean, I think he's last year. It really felt like, you know, as the young guy that he was just really trying to get his assignment, right. Whereas, TJ and Bud were just like Hulk smash and they just went. And if Highsmith can get confident enough with the playbook that he can get to that point of just Hulk smash, just go, um, you know, see what's happening and go destroy. Um, I, I, hopefully he can step into that. Um, I, I've got a lot of question marks with him after last year, but I hope that he you know, owns this position now over the summer and heads into camp ready to go and step into that spot. So we'll see. I really think it's difficult for anybody who plays along so many guys who are so Hulk smash that they're out there roaming the field and just going, you know, whole hog on something. Somebody else has to be on the field, like covering the rest of the field, you know? So he's in a <laughs> difficult spot where sometimes it looks like it gets burned, but it's because everybody else is running around going cowboy and like uh, somebody has to cover the field. So I, I really think uh, uh, he's, he's going to learn the guys around him well enough to know when to do that and when he can jump in and go crazy as well. Let's talk about these last two guys together. Um, obviously, they're both deserving of probably an hour each talk on podcast. But, you know, you think of who's left. Well, hopefully you're thinking of Chase Claypool and Najee Harris. Uh, you know, Chase had that breakout rookie year. Um, I think Chase was a little dinged up at the end of the year. I mean, he started out the year, and you're like, my goodness, this is going to hit 20 touchdowns this year. And you didn't see him quite as much. I, I think there was – a little bit of a lingering injury concern, but Chase uh, Chase is back, and we're excited. Um, Steelers made the right move. They drafted Najee Harris in the first round. Uh, all indications, unless something is horribly wrong with Najee Harris, he's going to be the definite workhorse for the Steelers uh, this season. We had Claypool over Harris. Is it just I, – let's do it this way. So we got to take a break in about a minute. Are we thinking that because Claypool has had that one year in the NFL where although we have high hopes for Najee, he still has not NFL carry yet. Is that why we're Claypool over Harris in the battle one and first two? That would be my that would be my feeling that we know what Claypool is going to be bringing. Uh, just the way Najee is going to play in the professional level, uh, there's going to be a little bit of question mark. Is he going to be that receiver back? Is he going to be that that workhorse that pounds and grinds out yardage? Uh, or is he going to be that speed guy who finds the holes and is gone and doesn't have to doesn't get tackled a lot? Uh, that all of those things are different options in the way he looks and the way he can contribute. Whereas I kind of know what Claypool is going to bring, and I think that it, it'll be a lot this year. Paul, yeah, I. I know we've got Matt Canada now, but I, I think I've I've got the sense that 
Matt Canada's got to call a play, and Ben's going to say, forget that, Chase, go deep. Uh, Ben's default is he wants to pass it. So I, I think it's going to take a while for Harris to really become uh, a staple on the offense. I mean, he's certainly going to be utilized, but I think Ben's default is still, I want to throw, I want to throw, I want to throw. Uh, so I think that's going to put Claypool in a position to have a bigger impact. Okay, thanks, guys. And that's our top seven of guys that we feel have made that stardom. It's going to change for the year, but that's how we feel going into the season. Um, hey, before we continue, let me give you guys some good advice. We have uh, some affiliate advertisers on our show, and one of those is Chase Bank. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic right now. I know things are looking up a little bit. We're starting to reopen as a country, but we're still in the pandemic. We got to be careful. And I'll tell you, banking was a pain in the you-know-what for me for a long time. Uh, I had to drive an hour out of the way to get to my bank. It was a bank that I, my parents were at as a child. And, like, I'm going to stick with that bank. I moved to Columbus. There's none of those banks around. So I had to drive out of the way. Can you imagine having to do that during a pandemic? It would be horrible. So even before the pandemic started, I said, I'm going bank shopping. And I quickly found Chase Bank. Chase Bank was wonderful for me. I made my banking a lot easier. Um, I didn't have to go to the bank when I did. Everyone knows me. Everyone knows my name. It's kind of like cheers. You know, you go in there, everyone's like, Chris. And, you know, I give them a high five back. It's wonderful. I've got advisors that can help you out. If you have a dumb question about saving money, there's no dumb questions. You go, you ask them. Everything's all good. So try Chase Bank. It's worked for me. I hope it works for you. And don't even just take my word for it. I mean, you might be like, I'm hearing you for the first time. I don't know who you are. Chase Bank has a deal. If you go to our podcast provider page, or if you go to our website, which is at uh, viewfromthepew.club, we also have a Substack page. If you click on that link, set up an account, and use your direct deposit on that account, Chase will put 225 bucks in your account. So even if you're sitting here going, man, what am I listening to? We will pay you for listening to the show. All you have to do is check out um, check out Chase Bank. Um, it's worked for me. We hope it'll work for you as well. So lots of good information um, here uh, so far on the podcast. We did get a question. Um, we got some questions a little bit earlier. I wanted to share um, during our podcast. And let's look here. Uh, we had a question. Uh, we're putting this on our um, Ohio podcast page. Um, somebody's asking, hey, uh, Pierre, uh, it's James Pierre, uh, made a personal power seven. Um, some people were making our list beforehand, but he missed the collective list. And I think this is the season uh, he'll start. Uh, and I, I think Joe was influencing that question here. Uh, let me I, take I wrote that question and oh, it came back as something else. Uh, and then it cut off the longer list, okay. the longer count comment. So <laughs> no, I was just saying that we'll start to see what the coaching staff has been excited about with Pierre for a while now. That's the end of that comment. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it came from you. Well, thanks for asking the question. That's good. I, I guess my take on, on Pierre, I, again, I, I think Pierre has a high ceiling. Pierre could be number two or three on our list by the end of the year. I, I think we just don't know who James Pierre is. I mean, he played a little bit against the Browns at the end of the year. He looked pretty good. But, again, that was the last game of the regular season. Um, you know, Browns had – it seemed like half of the team was on COVID list. So, we're not sure. I mean, we love the fact he didn't – wasn't horrible during that game. But I can't take that game and say, oh, he's the next Deion Sanders. He's fantastic. So, I'm anxious to see how he plays. Unless the Sewers pick up another veteran quarterback, he's your third guy. It'll be interesting to see how he, he – goes because the Steelers are going to play a lot of passing teams that you're going to need three quarterbacks on the field for. So Pierre's going to get a lot of playing time. It'll be interesting. I hope for the Steelers' sake he, he looks good. I, I just didn't feel comfortable putting him in my top seven. I mean, look at the other talent. There's a lot of other talent there. So I'm anxious to see how Pierre plays well. Um, there have been some years where the preseason has been kind of unwatchable. I think about the years where, you know, we didn't want to play Big Ben and we had Landry Jones playing four straight preseason games. And, um, you know, I think he set a record once. He had like 200 passes in a preseason. I, it was just unwatchable. There's a ton of people I want to watch play a preseason. And high up on my list is 
James Pierre. So it should be interesting to see what happens. All right. Um, we're getting into the second segment of our show. Um, it, I want to do a quick rundown of some of these other teams in the AFC North. They're, they're the enemy. Uh, they're, they're who we need to knock off if we want to get to where we want to go. Um, we may expand on this as the season goes on. But for tonight, I picked one guy who I think from each of these AFC North teams that is going to be interesting. I, th- I think it's going to help define their season. Let's start out quick with the Browns. Um, Greg Newsom II was their first-round draft pick. He's from Northwestern. Pretty highly ranked cornerback. I, I saw some people think that the Steelers might even go for him at 24. Obviously, with Najee Harris on the, the board, the pick was Najee Harris. The Browns ended up picking Newsom at 26. I don't know that much about Newsom. I'm not convinced he's a great cornerback. But, you know, they kind of swung and missed a little bit on Greedy Williams, um, the guy they picked high. I think it was a second-round pick about two years ago. Uh, Denzel Ward, when things are great, he's great. But Denzel gets hurt a lot. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Newsom does. It's going to help define the Browns. I mean, there's a lot of high hopes for the Browns this year. A lot of national media have high hopes, but they got to learn how to defend the pass. Because it's going to be, I mean, they're playing the Chiefs in the first game of the year. Jeez, if they can't defend the pass, you know, my advice is to pick Pat Mahomes on all of your fantasy football teams. Um, <laughs> I Let me mention the other two. I'll get you guys a quick take on them. Um, you know, for the Bengals, and again, this is one of the main guys. We can talk about other guys as the weeks roll on. Uh, but Joe Burrow, um, you know, great story. Um, you know, I live in central Ohio. Um, Southeast Ohio is poor. I mean, Athens, Ohio is where Joe grew up in. is not a great place. Uh, I love the fact that Joe embraced the area, um, you know, by getting picked by the Bengals. Uh, Joe had a decent first year. The Bengals didn't invest anything in the offensive line, so Joe was going to hammer each game before he got knocked out for the year. Um, I'm not completely slow on Joe Burrow, and if they can keep him healthy, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, they drafted Jamar Chase, his buddy from LSU, who was a great receiver. I'm still not sure where the offensive line is. And before I turn to you guys, um, the Ravens with Marquis Brown. Um, when Marquis Brown's great, um, you know, he's scary. I mean, I don't want the Ravens to have great receivers. But, you know, Marquis Brown, by the end of last year, wasn't getting targets at all from Lamar Jackson. I know the Ravens picked another uh, receiver in the first round. Um, there's some talk the Ravens might be in the mix for a potential trade for Julio Jones, but – Right now, Marquis Brown's your starting receiver. And, you know, as we get close to the season, we'll make our predictions. I know everyone's down the Steelers. I don't think they're totally out of it because some of these questions could mark their year. Um, Paul, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on, on some of the guys I mentioned? Yeah, I, in terms of Greg Newsom, I, I have this paranoia right now that everything is just going the Browns way and he's probably going to end up being amazing. And the sooner we can put a stop to that nonsense, um, the, the better, but uh, as the Browns improve their past defense, it just gets more intimidating for me, uh, especially after the way they treated us those last two games of our season. Uh, so if they're beefing up their past defense, it's, it worries me. So those are my thoughts on Newsom. All right. Hey, Joe, we got another question. Now, I checked. Uh, forgive me. I didn't read it close enough. I didn't realize this was coming from Joe. But I got another question. I can guarantee it didn't come from Joe. Um, somebody's asking about Joe Burrow. You know, how do you think Joe Burrow's going to do for the Bengals this season? You want to take that one? Sure. I mean, I think Joe Burrow's going to be fine. This, I, I think he's a, a, a really great player and a really good team leader. Uh, just his – you know, I'm down here in Mississippi a ways ago. I got a lot of what he was doing at LSU um, uh, that, that season, the couple of the time that he was down here. Uh, and he's just a, a really solid guy, solid quarterback, and does his job and does really well. He does not wilt when the pressure is on. He's the kind of guy that you want in, in, the, in the driver's seat of your team. I think the, the Cincinnati Bengals have made huge bungling errors in not beefing up the O-line. I don't understand how you can finish the season the way you did last year with your quarterback laid out and broken and go into the draft and not think that the first priority is to get him some help. 
I don't understand. It does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Getting him another receiver, another receiver that's his good friend. You know, that's such a lovely story. It's it's wonderful. Let's send him a, a birthday card about it. Get him some O-line help or ship him somewhere else where he won't die as a quarterback. There are times where we want to talk about this guy's a great quarterback and this guy's not a great quarterback. And, oh, can't you just tell that all these these quarterbacks that the Browns have, have drafted over all of these seasons when they get the first draft pick and it's always a quarterback and they're always terrible. Is it because they're terrible? No. They're really good quarterbacks. They had nobody to throw to. They had nobody protecting them. That is the difference between great quarterbacks in the NFL and the guys who disappear after a season or two. You can't get beat up like the, like Burrow did last year and survive. He's a good quarterback if you protect him and give him somebody to throw to. He's a, he's a Do we have Tim Couch on the line? Yeah. We should. We should <laughs> call him up and say, am I absolutely right? And he will say, completely. <laughs> yeah, in case you haven't heard this before, I, I work for a group of Ohio newspapers, including the Columbus Dispatch and Cincinnati Inquirer. So um, I do web production, so I do a lot of reading about the Bengals from our friends that cover the, uh, the Bengals on with the Cincinnati Inquirer. And they're reporting that Joe Burrow's okay. They're, they're saying, hey, you should be ready to now, go. Yeah, right. he healed <laughs> up. But, but you know where he's going to get hurt again? on the football field being chased right. by huge linemen. Right, which is exactly my point. And <laughs> you get to a place where sometimes those injuries linger. It, it's just not like Madden when you're playing the game, somebody breaks their leg and they're like, oh, they're healthy, everything's fine. Just then, hit reset and start again. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> or even if you wait until they get healthy, I mean, you, you still have, you know, there's, there's lingering effects. Like on Madden, yeah. when they're healthy, they – turn to the regular ratings, everything's good. But often there's lingering effects. And you've got to think, too, does it affect your kind of your psychology, what's going on in your head when you're right. sitting there going, okay, I'm back to pass. I've got two seconds. Man, I, I've got to fling it quick. i got to fling it. And, do, you yeah. start to, do you start to feel the ground rubbling from the, uh, the defensive players who are getting near you sooner than you would when everything was okay? I'm going to, I'll be a little open here. I got into a car accident a couple months back. I have been skittish driving through intersections, you know, especially where I have the green light and the other way is red light. Somebody ran a red light and hit me. Uh, and uh, I've been, I've been nervous about it ever since all of the signals is everything's okay. But I go through that certain, that, that intersection just a little bit slower than I used to. And it would be interesting. I, I mean, yeah. We got rosy colored glasses on. I mean, this is a Steelers podcast. Now, if we were a Bengals podcast, we'd be rosy about the Bengals or whatever. But I got to tell you, I, I'm not saying that, you know, that these guys are definitely the stars of the first, second, or third year players of these particular teams. Well, you would think Joe Burrow is since they invested a number one overall draft pick in him. But mm -hmm. I can say we've got a little bit more questions when we're looking at these other teams in the AFC North than our team. I mean, yeah, Najee Harris hasn't had an NFL carry yet, but we're thinking Najee Harris is going to be decent this year. I mean, mm -hmm. I think his floor is, hey, he's pretty good. He can get better. I don't think it's going to be a complete flame out. Where, and Najee Harris could become a wonderful running back his first year. I still think you look at some of these other guys. I mean, I'm not completely sold on Greg Newsom. I'm not completely sold on Marquis Brown, and I'm not, definitely not you know, super convinced about Joe Burrow. So again, Steelers aren't dead yet. Now we've got some holes and we've got some stuff where we're counting on guys to really have good years. And if they don't, we could be far back, but I think we got chances here. I, I, I guess that's, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make with all of this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I, I think there's a lot of interesting questions. Part of it's because of the salary cap, you know, you, sometimes you got to let guys go. And, you know, we've talked about this on po past podcasts. You've got the concern of a salary cap in a pandemic, you know, salary cap didn't go up as high as it normally did. Now there are some questions or some considerations saying that if things turn out well, if we get for the year, if COVID continues to subside, we may see a big spike in the salary cap the year after that. But again, this year it was tough, not just for the Steelers, but for a bunch of different teams. 
All right, before we get to our third and final segment of the day, I got to give you some more good advice. Um, you know, during COVID, it's hard to look for furniture. Um, it's hard to look for furniture, even not during COVID. I, you know, I find that I'm a football fan. Yeah, I'm not as big of a college fan as I'm the NFL. But, you know, looking for furniture days are Saturdays. You know, you and your wife are home. It's the afternoon. You're kind of watching a football game. And your wife's like, hey, let's go look for furniture. Well, you know how, what happens. It's an all-afternoon thing. You're at the store all afternoon. You know, you're tired. You won't watch the game and everything. It, it can become a cumbersome task. So, hey, we're still in COVID. We can go out, but we want to be careful. Why are we going out? Why are we wasting our time? Stay at home. Um, click on the link. Uh, we have a link for Ashley Home Store. Great furniture. Love going there. Click on the link um, for our um, podcast page. They will send you savings right away. You don't have to wait. It's there. And once you get the savings, you can use it online. If you really want to go to the store, go to the store. Use it there. And they have a great delivery policy where, where they can deliver it to you. Man, I, I'm so excited. I don't need furniture at this second, but next time I need furniture, I want to do my shopping online, have it delivered to me. It's going to save so much time. And it, love Ashley Home Stores um, furniture. It's great looking furniture, too. And again, it saves you time. How much is your time worth? So check out Ashley Home Store today. Uh, you'll be happy that you did. All right, we're going to end up today's podcast. Um, we have some friends uh, from different podcasts that have podcasts that really focus on the draft. And we're not big draft nicks. I'm not a Mel Kuyper guy or or, or uh, who's the other guy um, for ESPN? I uh, got Mel Kuyper and his buddy, Todd McShay. Yes, I blanked on the name for a second. Those guys are guys that watch the draft. These college games, you know, 500 college games a week, and they, they'll give you what they think is the best picks. We're not that guy. However, I want to kind of take the last 15 minutes of the podcast and start to look at guys who might be good that the Steelers can start considering going into 2022. So I want to go over these names real quick. I, I got to admit, we don't know much about them, but here's some guys you should take a look at uh, as the season starts. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Tyler Slough. Um, Tyler um, took over for Justin Herbert with Oregon in 2020. Obviously, Justin Herbert went on to have a really good rookie year for the L.A. Chargers. Um, I'm reading a blog talking about him, saying that, hey, he's a feisty competitor. He has great potential. Uh, he has a good mix of arm strength, size, and athleticism. Kind of reminds me of our guy and Big Ben. Um, and you know, Tyler didn't stick around with Oregon. He's going to Texas Tech as a graduate transfer. We know that Tyler, you know, Texas Tech is a big place for throwing the ball around. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, Tyler's going to be on the radar because I, I got a feeling the Sears are at least going to be looking toward a quarterback next draft, and we got to start looking at some of these guys. Um, here's another guy you might want to take a look at Sam Howell from North Carolina. Uh, they're saying um, Sam right now is the third um, highest graded quarterback in the draft class so far. Um, a lot of good things. They're saying that, you know, he's going to be your best quarterback in the uh, ACC. You know, after uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, went, to the, went to the NFL, uh, they say he's got arm strength, big play abilities. Um, he's got a good deep ball, especially down the sideline. Now, here's the guy I want to focus on. I know we haven't had a chance to watch some of these guys yet, but Oklahoma has a guy. Uh, Joe, I think you're going to like his name, Spencer Rattler. What a name. I mean, we want a quarterback with a great name. I, I'm tired of these Mark Davises or, you know, Bob Jones or Ben Smith. I mean, I, I want a guy – like, you know, I was a Kenny Stabler fan because we're a Steelers podcast. We don't like the Raiders. But, you know, he had a cool nickname, Kenny the Snake, the Snake Stabler. You know, trying to evoke some fear in you. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, he's not a big arm guy. He's a very accurate. He's got some legs to him. Uh, Joe, I know we haven't watched these guys, but if, if the Sooners in the first round next year say, we are picking Spencer Rattler, are you pumped because of the name? What do you think? I don't know. That's definitely a unique name. I mean, we've been used to somebody with a, a very short first name and a very long and hard to spell last name. 
Right. Uh, and that's that's something that they really need to consider when they're selling those jerseys. You know, you're selling those letters for individual prices, and I, the shirt, the jersey numbers just go way up when they you get long last named guys, or or if you can add a third, you know, like Harvin the third. You know, you, you put get some extra uh, t-shirt money off of the having to put the extra letters on there. So that's that's my idiotic reason for needing somebody with a longer last name. <laughs> I don't know. Rattler is a perfectly fine last name. That's great. Uh, Spencer Rattler. I don't know if we can get him a, a, at least a nickname that's named after a major landmark in a European city. So okay. if we can find somebody named Eiffel would be fantastic. Okay. So, or you know, Bob Coliseum. That'd be that'd be that'd be dope as well. Paul, I'm going to go to you in a second. The other guy I wanted to mention. This is interesting. Uh, in, in my work with um, the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, Desmond Ritter has been the quarterback for UC um, University of Cincinnati for the past couple of years. I we did a story, and I, I provide a link to you guys in your notes, uh, where there's a lot of people already saying, "Man, this could be a really high draft pick next year." I got to tell you, um, Desmond Ritter has started a lot of games for UC. Um, through my work with the Inquirer, sometimes you have the game on as you're you know, preparing for the game. I've seen Ritter play. I, I got to admit, though, I think Ritter could be an NFL quarterback. I don't see him as a first round. He kind of reminds me a lot of Ian Book, who was a quarterback for Notre Dame. And uh, the Saints shocked the world. The Saints drafted Ian Book in the fourth round when some people said, man, Ian Book may not even get drafted. I mean, he's one of those guys that's more of a leader and a great guy in the clubhouse and say, man, this guy's got a wonderful arm. So the question I have for you is, who do you think the Sears are looking for? You know, Joe and I would joke around by, you pick a goofy name or a long name or a short name. Is there a type? Like we talked about in school, you know, maybe we dated a girl in high school and they say, that's a Joe Frost type or that's a Paul Yanchek type. Uh, do the Steelers have a type? Don't, don't be airing my dirty laundry yeah. on, uh, on a podcast, <laughs> man. Come yeah. on. Do the Steelers have a type? Not looking for a high school girl, but looking for the next quarterback. Do they have a body type you think they might be looking for? Or is it just the best guy out there? Hopefully they're – I have this fear with Mason Rudolph and even Dwayne Haskins to an extent that they're they're looking for baby Ben. Um, I think we need to go a different direction. I think we need a guy – Especially as you look at how the league's going. I mean, Tom Brady aside, if you can if you can have a mobile quarterback, it doesn't have to be like Lamar Jackson type, but a guy who can move around without his knee giving out or his hips giving out. Um, I, I think looking for something more of how, how Ben used to be. Uh, and in fact, not to be a, a Pittsburgh homer here, but can we pick him, Pitt Panthers? Uh, Early this season, he's going to pass Dan Marino's uh, college statistics. Uh, don't sleep on Kenny Pickett. Uh, he's going to be the guy that I'm watching. I think he could foot well. Uh, he's got a, a decent size. He's He can move around. He's got a good arm. Uh, so may not check their their perfect moose that they like Big Ben, but it could be an option that will come out of work. Yeah, one of the great what-ifs in Steelers history – Dan Marino comes out. He's dropping like crazy through the draft. Uh, Steelers never thought he'd be available. I think the Steelers picked, I think it was 25th that year. They went with a um, defense lineman that, unfortunately, I think he was killed in the wreck in his second season. So he didn't really do anything at all for the Steelers. He was kind of a bust and sadly he lost his life. And, man, could you think of what would have happened if the Steelers would have just went ahead and drafted Marino? Because that came shortly after Terry Bradshaw retired. So you could have had a succession of Bradshaw to Marino. Marino's there for 15 years. And maybe you have two or three years of a Cordell Stewart, Tommy Max, and then you draft Big Ben. And this could have been, you know, Bradshaw to Marino to Big Ben. That would have been quite the family tree. We missed out. I wish we could have drafted the other and guy. From deny us the Mark Malone years? Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. You can't just take away the Mark Malone those years are, like that. Those are the character-building years, man. You can't pass up on those. 
That definitely. Was. Listen, I think as a quarterback, it would be great to to get another guy who's exactly like Ben. But I I, I think those guys are hard to find. Um, the things that made I was just crabbing about uh, quarterbacks coming out of the out of the out of college and everybody thinking this guy's great, that guy's not. Um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want the Steelers to go out and get somebody who's super mobile and add another running back to the backfield like a lot of other teams seem to. Those guys, to me, don't have the longevity yet. We haven't seen that those guys last because they're taking so many more hits. But there's something about that's the reason that Ben has lasted as long as he has and had the successful years that he did, where it wasn't that he was a runner. He was mobile, but man, that guy could take a hit. It took forever to get that guy down. And that's a kind of attitude and, you know, physical capacity. The, certainly the, the, his size and strength was part of that. But the other side is the mental side that he just wasn't going down. There was a pass he was going to make, and he didn't care who he had to take a hit from in order to be able to do it. He was going to get that pass off. Um, and that even made up for some of the years where the O-line wasn't that great. He took so many hits and so many sacks for a long time. The fact that he's still playing is crazy. Um, as opposed to a Brady who had just floats through the air untouched at all times. And that's why hopefully <laughs> offensive line, you know, writes the ship this year because let's keep Big Ben less hit than he was last year. I mean, you know, that'd be nice. Yeah, there were some times where it was really, really shaky. Hey, um, Paul, we have gotten uh, four minutes until we close, so I have a fun question come up. This is from a listener of our podcast for a while. Um, we haven't talked to Wayne Haskins yet, um, but. You know, Paul's been infamous, and I think he's trying to get my goat because I live here in the Columbus, Ohio area, and he's always been anti-Ohio State quarterback. So when the Sewers signed Dwayne Haskins last year, um, Paul was not too happy. Um, so, you know, the question is talking about, yeah, you disdain Ohio State quarterbacks. Um, and, and I'm thinking this guy meant to say, any chance Dwayne Haskins changes your mind? Um, let me answer threefold. Number one, yes, I Ohio State annoys me. That, that's part one. Part two, I will say I hope Dwayne Haskins changes my mind. The third, more complicated part, which is maybe easier to answer, is the reason I can't stand Ohio State quarterbacks is let's go all the way back to 1980. Name me one good NFL quarterback from Ohio State. Tommy Maddox is probably as – not Tommy Maddox – uh, Mike Tomczak, sorry. He's Tomczak. probably the closest you're going to get. And Mike Tomczak was a good backup, solid starter when needed at best. Um, just show me a great Ohio State quarterback in the NFL, and I'll happily say my, my mind is open to change. But so far, it's been a show me, and none of them have done it. All these great guys who are going to just take the NFL by storm are greeters at Walmart right now. And whatever we end up talking about this fall with the Steelers podcast, we're definitely talking quarterbacks. You, you know, they don't have that franchise quarterback guy. There's a couple possibilities when you look at Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, but we haven't found that guy yet. And I think we're on the show me. Show me Mason Rudolph. Show me Dwayne Haskins. You could do it. And I, I think that will be the nice thing about having a train camp this year. Um, if these guys could show us, hopefully they – ball out during the training camp. I, I agree with Paul. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. I, I think there's a lot more questions about Dwayne Haskins and the answers. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, he's saying the right things, but show it. Show me. Show me on the field that you can do it, you know, for Dwayne. And also for Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the career arc of Mason Rudolph being a, a good backup. And that's never a bad thing to have, but a good backup doesn't mean a franchise quarterback. That's the question we're going to have as the season wears on. Well, guys, it's been good. We always do this on Steelers podcast one day each week. Um, we often do a general podcast, but again, our friends at, uh, behind the Steel Curtain asked us to do more of the theme one. So we're trying to show them the theme of just saying who's next for the Steelers. And I enjoyed this conversation. There's hope. Sometimes when we talk, give a general Steelers podcast, we get a little depressed. But, hey, we got some young players. 
we got some reason to hope. We got some reason to believe. Um, we still, there's still some questions that need to be answered. And that's why we're not printing up our Super Bowl tickets yet. But I don't think we should be printing up our number one pick in the draft next year tickets, you know, if, if you can do that. So um, there's potential. We're not dead yet. So, Joe, Paul, thanks again. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Good times. Um, Check us out if you follow us. Uh, look below, all of our Twitter addresses are there. Uh, follow us online, you can get our latest podcast there. Uh, we're under the Ohioan Network, so you can check us out there as well. Well, guys, it's been fun, really have enjoyed this. Uh, check us out later tonight. We're going to be doing a kind of a fun pop culture podcast. If you like to goof off and be silly, check out as well. Uh, so for Paul and Joe, it's Chris, have a great day, and thanks for checking out our podcast. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.